Welcome to Ripstop on the Record, the podcast for makers, by makers, where we talk about all things MYOG. Brought to you by Ripstop by the Roll. I think it's good, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that was a good take. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Ripstop on the Record. I'm Jameson. And I'm Avery. In this episode, we talk about insulation with Chad from UGQ. If you're not familiar with UGQ, this cottage company is based in Michigan and they specialize in quilts, but they also sell tarps, insulated beanies called the Scully, and their newest product, the Quillo. There's a lot of great tips in here. We talk about insulation more broadly, but even talk about some of the new products that they're bringing on and uh, maybe what the future could look like for synthetic insulation. So lots of tips there. But first, a few updates. Uh, no new products coming out right now. We do have some things on the horizon that we're working on. So stay tuned and we'll let you know here. But I do want to give a few plugs. So Avery, I've been doing some some making, as I always do. And I've made two things recently that I think our listeners might want to know about. You interested? Tell us. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, I don't know why I asked you. Like you're, you want to listen anyway. But <laughs> so first, I know I hyped up Alpha Direct last time we were on the podcast. That was Alpha Direct with wool for beanies. Love it. It's amazing. Would recommend. But I recently found a mitten pattern, and I made um, mittens that are lined with the Alpha Direct four zero zero four or the the ninety GSM, and then the exterior is our Airwave stretch. Ooh. They're awesome. Like they're great for early morning dog walks. Uh, I have like um, the mitten shells, like the waterproof shells that go outside and like they're a perfect mixture for that. Uh, I just like keep them in the car. I'm going to send them to a friend that uh, up in Pennsylvania. But yeah, I don't know. It's a, it was a cool project. Doesn't take too much fabric. Very simple to make. Um, so yeah, that's that was one recommendation. Also, if you have a lot of little scraps of fabric, I've noticed that you can make like EDC pouches really easily with scrap fabrics. So I made one for like my AirPods and like a charger. So it's like this really small, like only a couple inches, um, which everybody has scraps of fabric laying around. So keep those scraps because they can come in kind of handy. So I don't know, I've made stuff for like pens. I've made one for like my bike where I can put like my wallet keys and my Swiss army knife on like this one little pouch. Each thing has like their own little, their own little pocket to slide into. If you want to take your organization too seriously and use the scraps, then you can make these. But yeah, that's my little, it's my little plug for this week. I love that. Thanks for always inspiring. Um, the little pouches sure. sound so really cute. <laughs> I'll send you a picture. They're adorable. <laughs> we'll make sure to post that on our social media. Um, but as always, head over to our YouTube if you're interested in watching this podcast episode. We would also love if you could rate our podcast, um, like us, comment. And if you ever have any episode ideas, send us a message on social media. We love when you guys come to us with ideas because we want to know what you're interested about and what you want to hear about. So as always, thank you for listening and on to the episode. Hey, Chad, welcome to the podcast. It is awesome to be here with you guys. Finally, only all these years later. <laughs> I know it has been a while. We, uh, we tend to make our rounds and sometimes people just come up at better times than others. And this is the perfect time to have you guys on. Uh, so first and foremost, um, I kind of want to ask what's new at UGQ. We haven't talked to you on the podcast before, but you guys have had some new adjustments recently. So I want to see where you guys are at. Yeah. Um, so we, well, I've been with UGQ for God, 
almost uh, eight, eight, ten years. I don't know. Years have blurred together, but uh, I've been here almost since the beginning. Um, so Paul uh, was the founder of UGQ, who is my stepdad. Um, and so I started working for him very early on in the operation. Um, and then I became a co-owner back in 2017 uh, through 2021, left in 2021, and then recently took over as the new owner in May of 2023. So it's been a, been a big adjustment, but uh, we got a new shop and up and running and having a blast. Yeah, that is quite a lot to go through uh, recently. Well, uh, welcome back to UGQ. We're glad that you're here. Um, what are the things that are most exciting about taking over uh, a cottage company? Oh, literally nothing. Zero <laughs> of it. <laughs> no, honestly, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. The, the biggest thing is, is I know a lot of people in this industry get burnout. You know, we all in small businesses, especially we wear a lot of hats. And so, um, you know, finding a, a solid team that we can really count on and rely on. Uh, really is what makes or breaks us as owners. And um, I've been very fortunate that we've we've had a super rock solid team. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I, I do most of like marketing and podcasts and, you know, kind of all of the, the back end stuff. But, um, you know, for me, that's the fun side of the business. I, I don't want to be out on the shop floor anymore. I've filled 10,000 quilts and stuffed them and just I'm, I'm over that side of it. Uh, so, you know, we have a lot of fun. I mean, we do a lot of fun stuff in the shop and I get to go on a lot of fun trips and meet a lot of cool people. So uh, definitely, definitely a lot of excitement as long as you have the right team to back you up for sure. So outside of the office, um, going along with UGQ and just being outdoors, um, what's your go-to backpacking trip? We'd like to know your big three, who you're taking with you and where you want to go backpacking. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, it's tricky because honestly, a lot of it depends on the time of year. But if I had to, if I had to pick a spot, if it was just like a quick weekend getaway, um, it would definitely be uh, probably somewhere in the UP of Michigan. Um, probably one of my favorite summer spots is North Manitou Island, which is right off uh, or in Lake Michigan, up near Traverse City. Um, what's cool about that is it's a fifteen thousand acre island. Uh, there's nothing on it, so it's not. There's no restaurants or, or houses. Nobody lives there. Um, it's a it's super fun place to backpack. Uh, the last time I went, I think there was like 500 people on the island, and I only saw two people the whole time I was there. Um, you know, so it was it was a lot of fun in that regard. Um, and then you asked, what else did you ask? Um, your big three and who you're taking with you. Well, one one of those three is obvious. I think. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but I recently did a podcast with Adam from Hammond here. So one of my big threes might be changing here soon, depending on him and I are going to be doing a trip together. So I told him, I was like, well, you know, hey, if it works out, maybe I might start using your stuff. No, I can't do that. <laughs> We're gonna, I'm going to light it on fire and dance around it. Just kidding. <laughs> um, so obviously for, uh, for quilts, that's obvious. Um, so I'm primarily a hammock camper. Um, you know, being in the Midwest, we have a lot of trees and so that's not ever an issue. Um, so my go-to hammock, uh, still to this day is dream hammock, um, hammock company. I've got five or six different models from dream hammock that I kind of rotate depending on when I'm backpacking and what the trip looks like. Um, and then, uh, I guess that pretty much covers it. Cause in a hammock system, your big three is really only in my case, it's two yeah. because shelter and <laughs> quilts are covered and then hammock from dream hammock. So what bag are you taking? 
So I'm currently using a, a Waymark um, backpack. So back when uh, Devin from, I don't know if you know who Devin is, Backcountry Exposure on uh, on YouTube. He was there for a while and sent me one of their packs. And so I've been using that for three years now. Um, and it's, it's one of their fast track packs that they had sent me. So, but I've been rocking that for a while now. I really love it. So um, that's kind of been my go-to backpack. And then I've got one hanging right here that one of my staff made me years ago that I've used a handful of times. So nice. that's a, that's a no brand, but I'll, it's all from ripstop by the roll. All the fabric is so. <laughs> <laughs> so a minute ago, you said that you're, you're enjoying moving past filling the quilts and making the quilts. We're going to bring you back to a little bit of that in this episode, specifically because we're talking about down care and insulation and caring for your insulation pieces and things like that. So as somebody that has stuffed tons of quilts, made a lot of quilts, do you have a funny story of working with down? Oh God. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a, there's been a lot over the years. Um, as we have, have changed our fill systems. Um, we, when we first started out, we actually used a, an individual bucket for every single chamber. Um, and then we had a, 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 a single, lid that had all of the tubing and stuff connected to it. So we would basically use that as our blower lid. And so uh, back in the day, our, all of our chambers in our top quilt ran uh, horizontally. So there was 21 chambers on a quilt. So we would have 21 five gallon buckets stacked up in a room that we would go through and fill every single one of them with the amount of down. And then uh, as each we got to each chamber, we would take the lid off, grab another bucket, put that lid on, hook the hose up to it, turn the toggle switch on, blow it and then repeat 21 times. Um, so needless to say, it took us forever to fill quilts. Um, but it was quite often where uh, we would, the lid wouldn't be on all the way and then you would hit that switch and down explosion would happen. And um, when that happens, it's it's never fun. But uh, I would say that that's probably one of the most common things that happens is uh, a kind of a back blow situation where if the lids, we don't use that system now, but the system that we do have still uses a vacuum and a bucket. It's just one bucket now instead of 20. Um, and I've had tons and tons of times where I was back filling with somebody and all of a sudden a piece of down hits them right in the back of the throat. And it's it's a solid 30-minute gag session because it just <laughs> clings to your little punching bag thing, whatever that's called. Uh, just absolutely clings to it. And, and you just eat drinking water, especially if it's hydrophobic down, it just like repels off of it and you can't get it. It's, it's a nightmare. So we've had a lot of people gagging and choking. And so we tried using masks at different times. And so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's very challenging to work with. Let's just say that. So I live with a, like a, we, we say that she shed like sheds like a maniac, like a golden retriever mix kind of, kind of thing, just tons of fur and tons of fur everywhere. I would imagine that working at a quilt company is sort of like living with a high shed dog where like you just go home and like, you're just picking down pieces off you for forever. Like, does it just stay with you if you're filling quilts or is there actually a way to get rid of it? Yeah. I mean, we, uh, we definitely vacuum ourselves up. I mean, I don't, they vacuum themselves off, uh, before they're allowed to leave the fill area to, to minimize it because down is so, so unbelievably light that just blinking your eyes will, blow down. Um, so it, it's one of those things where, you know, there's a lot of protocol in place to minimize the the traffic throughout the shop, but no matter what, I mean, you, you just can't eliminate it. Even if you have it totally sealed off in a room, you know, it gets stuck to the bottom of their shoes and their clothes and 
you know, you learn the, as, as you do it more, what material that you should wear to work and what you shouldn't, um, you know, like fleece, you don't want to blow down while wearing fleece because it will, I mean, you, it's next to impossible to get it off. So, and you know, things like lint rollers and stuff like that help, you know, capture it all before you leave the fill area. But yeah, it's, it's, I, I actually, now that we're in the shop that we're in, I bring a leaf blower in. And once a week, what we'll do is we'll open up all the bay doors and we'll just take a leaf blower and just blow out because it gets under all the tables. It settles on all the racks. It's, there's just no way to to get it. So it's it's a lot of cleaning, a lot and a lot of cleaning. I can imagine now that that would be just an entire process. I've never thought about what you would have to wear to work <laughs> to work yeah. with down. Now let's talk about um, UGQ a little more. Can you tell us a little bit about your latest product? Are you referring to the Quillow? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, that's been that's been a fun <laughs> one. Um, so I was online one day and I was looked. Somebody had sent me a, a list, um, you know, top backpacking quilts of 2023, something like that, and. I was going through and we were on there, you know, number three or something like that. And I was scrolling down because I'm always curious, you know, who makes it on the list and um, who we need to go and tackle. Uh, and when I got to the bottom of the list, I saw on there a Rumple camp blanket. And I thought to myself, like, how in the heck did this make it on the best backpacking quilts of 2023? You know, just a synthetic camp blanket. And so I got to thinking, like, we can beat that. Like if that's making it on there, then there's gotta be something we can do to beat this. And, uh, I remember growing up, my, my grandma would always make, uh, these, you know, grandma style quilts that are, you know, all the different patterns and patches, whatever. Well, they always had a foot pocket on the inside, which I, as a kid, I always thought was to stick my feet in because, you know, I always like wrapping the blanket around my feet and I always stuck my feet in there. Well, come to find out later that that foot pocket was specifically for, folding the quilts up to display at craft shows and things like that. And so they would have like these nice squares of the quilts to showcase the patterns. And it was just an easy way to display them. And so I got to thinking like, well, what happens if we merge these two things together? Nobody's ever put a foot pocket on a, a camp blanket before. Like there's tons of camp blankets, but we nobody's done this before. And so I went out into the shop and told the team like, Hey, let's make this. And I showed them kind of the quick drawing that I made. And, um, it wasn't until after we made the first one, which was about within the, like the next hour and a half, we had a completed one um, that I realized all the different features that came about from that product just by sewing that pocket on there. Um, and I had never anticipated it turning into like an actual pillow. And it wasn't until I rolled it all the way up and then it turned into a pillow that it was like, wait a minute, now it's a pillow. Now it's a blanket. Now it's a, and then it was another realization after the fact that it was also a quilt and a liner um and so it was just one of those things that just kept evolving as we played with it and um the the feedback has been overwhelming uh we launched in october of 2023 so just a few months ago and we've sold almost 500 of them um since we launched it which is a lot for a company of our size yeah it's a really cool it's a really cool product i like how it bridges that like backcountry to like car camping side of things it's something yeah. that especially in the winter time if you're just if you just like to be outside then you can keep in the back of your car or the back of your truck and just have something uh that's a bit you know cozy for your dog kids partner whatever um it, I, I really like how it kind of can bridge that gap really nicely it's also very it's one of those like simple products i mean it's not like 
it's not rocket science. It's pretty basic, but it's not uh, something you exactly. see a lot of, which is cool. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, is when you're, when you're developing new products, especially as a small, you know, custom manufacturer, everything has to um, be quick and efficient to make, you know, in order for us to, to really um, be able to produce it at high levels. And, you know, that was like the whole design concept was that I wanted it to be extremely simple. So there's no cords, no snaps, no, you know, I've had people like, oh, well, I want to, I want to be able to wear it. I'm like, well, just wrap it around you then. I don't know what to tell you. Like the more that you add to it, like there's always things that you can add to it. It already does four things really well. Um, and so I kind of wanted to stay away from it just being like, you know, uh, a 10, because I've seen a lot of products on the market where it's like they, it's almost like they're trying too hard to put too many features into a product. Um, you know, and the fact that it's already selling so well, it's one of those things where I kind of just am, I'm going to let it live where it is. Um, but that's exactly right. It's, it's a super simplistic product. Um, but it's one of those ones too, that almost every vendor uh, or competitor that I've talked to tell me like, dang it, why didn't I think of that? You know, which is the same, same goes for us. It's like, every time somebody comes out with something new, you're like, man, it's so obvious. Why didn't we do this years ago? So, yeah, but it's, it's been uh, definitely probably our new, uh, our new top hit for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned the five bucket method earlier about how you'd fill, uh, fill a quilt. Can you tell us what it's like to fill, like what's the process of building a quilt now uh, on a, at a production scale? So it's, it's not actually too far off from that. So we have switched more to a Venturi system um, where it's basically using uh, a vacuum and creating negative suction, if you will. It's, it's not actually negative suction, but if you know how Venturi systems work, it's basically a, a single bucket that has a down or a hose that comes into it. We have a, a, our box of down on a scale. Um, every chamber on the quilt has a designated amount that's supposed to go into it. So basically as you're pulling down out of that box, it's giving you a negative value on the scale and you basically fill that all the way down until you hit the bottom of the quilt and you get that on the, on the formula, obviously it shows a positive value on the scale. It shows a negative. Um, and that allows us to basically fill every chamber within a one gram tolerance. So by the time you get to the end of the overall product, the most it's going to be off is by one gram. Um, because that one gram tolerance is reconciled every single chamber, so to speak. Um, so it's a, a super accurate way of doing it. So back back then, we were probably filling one quilt uh, every 30 to 40 minutes. Um, now we can fill uh, one in about two, two and a half minutes. Wow. Just with using a DIY system from Menards. <laughs> great, great shot. Spent that we spent a hundred dollars on, you know, eight years ago or seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is really impressive. Um, it's one of the things I respect most about DIYers when they choose to jump into a, a full natural down quilt and doing that on a home level, seems insane, but that, that sounds oh. incredibly efficient and really impressive. You guys can get that tolerance too. Cause that's, that's something I was thinking of. I, I've made a lot of stuff. I've even made some quilts, but all synthetic. I've never really jumped into any down projects at all. Um, so I was really curious to kind of pick your brain a little bit about what that looks like. And that that's really impressive. You can get down to that, that level. Yeah. And it's, it's all in the formulas. Once you get, once you get the, um, the schematics all right, and then you get the formulas all right, you know, having it filled on a chamber by chamber basis where, you know, first chamber is 29 grams um, and then the next chamber uh, and we let's say on the scale it reads minus 30 grams. Well, on the next chamber, that's going to get reconciled by filling it to that exact number. And so no matter what, as you go down the scale, it's always going to be within one gram 
Uh, and at most, it's going to be, like I said, off by one gram because it gets reconciled on chamber two by instead of it having one gram over, it's exactly it reads the exact number, which means it compensates for the gram on the previous one. So uh, it, I know I'm not explaining it right because, you know, I suck, but uh, you get what I'm saying. No, that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That it, there, I guess what I think what I hear you saying is that it's not going to compound. You're not going to get 29, 29, 29 and end up with being like four or however many layers exactly. you have you're not gonna put that many down it's always gonna figure yeah it makes a lot of sense that's really fascinating um so a common question in the natural down world is duck versus goose down what do you guys use and why um we have used both over the years and actually we're still currently using both um you know it's one of those things where uh, from a business standpoint you know you're always looking for uh what's most cost effective without compromising, you know, what you're bringing to the table, quality and value, et cetera. Um, you know, so we, we've, we've transitioned back and forth. Um, I know a lot of vendors were using gray uh, goose down or gray duck down. We've pretty much exclusively used white, both duck and goose down, um, which is definitely more expensive um, because there's a whole nother process to sift out all of the white down and just the, it's, it's more expensive, which, you know, in all fairness, we're probably still underpriced what we should be on our products just because of the quality of materials. Um, so our 850 is actually, no, I lied. We're using all goose down currently. Uh, we have goose down our 850 and 950 are both goose down. Um, and again, a lot of it just has to do with supply chain. If you know, they don't have goose down performance wise, uh, in our experience, we've never seen a difference in performance because all of the values are based on that fill power. So a 20 degree quilt with 850 versus a 20 degree quilt with 950, they perform identical in the field. One's just lighter because it uses less volume overall to achieve that same temp rating. And it's no different between goose and duck because the fill power is the fill power. So as long as it's being filled appropriately based on that formula, performance is always going to be the same in the field. Gotcha. I, yeah, I think I know what you mean there. Um, that's that reminds me of something else that you guys are, are known for doing really well with, and, and most cottage companies are, to be fair, that you don't see at big box stores like wonderful big box stores like REI and otherwise, but um, that rating. You guys give a fairly legitimate rating, not just like what you could pot potentially live through. Um, right. Tell us a little bit about that and, and what you would want potential customers to know about your ratings. So we were, as far as I know, one of the very first companies that started doing a true comfort rating. And so what we did was we basically took the industry st standard of X and we increased it by 30%. Um, and so taking all of our formulas and, and, you know, comparing it with the industry standard, so to speak, which is still subjective. I mean, there's so many different statistics out there and, and, and standards that exist when you're researching um, those ratings. And so we basically wanted to err on the side of caution and be overly conservative in our ratings, because the one thing that we never wanted as a company was somebody to tell us that they were cold in our products, which to this day, you know, I would say less than 10 people ever in our history have told us that they were cold at a given temp rating using our products. And, you know, a lot of that, again, is subjective on the end user. They didn't eat enough before bed. They didn't. They were dehydrated. Um, you know, they were already a super cold sleeper, they have a blood disorder. You know, there's so many factors that come into play when, when looking at temp ratings. Sure. But, but generally speaking, our temp ratings are extremely conservative. So, you know, for example, I use, uh, I can use my 20 degree set um, comfortably down to 15 degrees before I even start to get a chill. Um, 
where I know a lot of companies have jumped on board, you know, in recent years to compete because it's, I never understood. It It was always confusing to me. Like if I go into a store and it says, Oh, 20 degree. And I'm like, Oh, perfect. And then I go out and at 45 degrees, I'm getting cold. I'm like, well, wait a minute, what's going on? And then you read the fine print and it's like, well, this is not the actual rating. This is the real rating. This is just the rating that you don't die at. I'm like, well, that would have been good to know because I'm real close to death now. So yeah, we do. We definitely do a, a very conservative rating, and and a lot of that, you know, has bit us in the butt from time to time when people are comparing us with other competitors and saying, well, why is your 20 degrees so much heavier than so and so's? And it's like, well, you know, I'm not going to speak to to anybody else's ratings at this point, but you know, there sure. was a point in time where it was like our 20 degree was more comparable with somebody else's, um, you know, zero degree because we were we were overfilling compared to what everyone else was doing. And so, you know, it's, it's been tricky because I've seen a lot of reviews come out over the years where it's like our bag is heavier than everyone else's. Sure. It's like, but we're not colder than anyone else's, but that, that nobody cares about that. It seems like on, on paper, but they care about it in reality when it comes time to use the product. Mm-hmm. And when it, when they're like, Hey, this extra three ounces that I carried, was worth it compared to, you know, the guy next to me who saved three or four ounces, but was cold all night. You know, that's, that's where it matters to me is in reality. And, you know, we spend so much time trying to shave weight out of our sleep system, which makes sense, but you should never, you should never make that your focus when it comes to your insulation. In my opinion. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think everyone's probably had a night um, where the, where they're like, oh, they may, they might have pushed it too far on their own will, you know, um, you know, temperatures drop, elevation is weird, you can't ever know what it's exactly going to be, and I think no one comes out of that going, man, you know, that that was fun. <laughs> and you know, it's it really comes down to education. Educate yourselves. Make sure that you know who you're buying from how they rate their products. Um, you know, like I said, we, we aired on the side of, I always wanted to be, uh, the company that was known for having the warmest, fluffiest, biggest, coziest, most luxury, you know, feeling products. It's, I've, we've always been in the ultralight demographic, but we've never been considered the ultralight company. We've been considered, you know, the comfort company or the luxury company because we have always focused on true ratings and we always get camped with, you know, temp ratings that are not, not consistent in terms of weight and volume. So my 20 degree compared to somebody's survival rated 20 degree, well, theirs is going to be substantially lighter, but mine will actually keep you warm at 20 degrees. Yeah, that's a huge difference for people to understand because I don't think, I mean, you know, I, almost everyone I worked with wasn't, you know, they thought, oh, this is going to keep me super warm and cozy at 20 degrees, you know, and we were like, and I think that is like, a, you know, that's kind of a myth, I guess, in the down insulation backpacking world, that's harder for people to understand. And, you know, then people get online and have opinions and everyone everyone's food tastes different. Like everyone's going to feel different outside. So it's hard to be like, Oh, I was great. Or I was too hot or I was too cold. But you know, so I think that's great for people to know who are looking to buy UGQ and um, great for people to just know in general, check, check your temperature rating, check your comfort rating. um, And just, you know, it's better to be safe than sorry. So there's nothing worse than being cold 10 miles out. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're investing in a product and, and you got to know it's going to work for what you, you, what you need it for. 
Um, you know, and too right. often people jump the gun and they're, they're just ready to buy this product, you know, because all these people talked about how great it was. And what they don't know is that the people that were saying how great it was, you know, were using their 20 degree survival rated product, you know, in 50 degree weather. And they're like, oh, it was so warm and so lightweight, um, you know, but they haven't, you know, tested it at those colder, lower limits, you know, and I always tell people when you're looking for a product, pick something that's going to be the, F, you know, we all kind of know what our, our limit is in terms of the coldest weather we're willing to camp in. And so you want to make sure that your product covers that bottom end of what you're going to be camping in. And the beautiful thing about quilts is that they're so versatile and so easily vented that if you're planning on going out, you know, I know my coldest is 25 degrees, get a 20 degree quilt because it'll keep you warm on that lower end, but it's also going to extend into the other three, the other two seasons uh, because it is a quilt and you can turn it into a blanket. You know, it can just be, you can kick a leg out, whatever. So you have a lot more versatility in that, but always make sure your bottom end is covered. And if you don't know uh, what that is, go out with a improperly rated product and you'll know real quickly what your lower limit is in terms of what you're willing to go out and camp in. So I want to ask you a few fabric questions. In your opinion, what fabric has the best balance between weight, but also durability? And I'm kind of referring to like the membrane line and other other uh, standard quilt fabrics. So my my favorite fabric has been the 1.1 uh, nylon, uh, ripstop nylon. That's That's been our go-to um, fabric. That's probably what we by far use the most of. You know, that does strike that perfect balance. The one thing I like about that fabric, I think more than any others, is how well it ages. Um, you know, because some some of the ultralight fabrics, when you first get them, they can kind of have that more plasticky feel and and be a little bit rougher. But the 1.1 ounce ripstop nylon that that we get specifically from you guys, uh, as it ages, the comfort of it increases, um, which is which is really nice because you know there's some fabrics that we've used in the past that you know, kind of broke down over time and had a worse feel as they got older. And so, you know, I've got some of the quilts that still have the 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 1.1 ripstop, um, you know, that are four or five years old and have seen a lot of miles. And obviously we've had hundreds and hundreds of people give us feedback on it and the durability and comfort and weight ratio and all of that. I mean, it kind of, for me, it strikes the perfect balance on the outside. We primarily use the membrane 10 well, I don't know what you guys call it there. We call it M10. Uh, but yeah, the, the Mem10, I, hear, I think I hear Carter always refer to it as. Um, we use that on the inner um, and and primarily. Uh, and our feedback in my own experience is, you know, a lot of people get concerned about that plasticky feel, you know, especially when you're sweating and, and you know, get clammy and you're in more humid climates. I almost have never experienced that with the, the membrane 10 fabric. That's That's been the most... One of the things that I feel like has always caused us to stand out is using that as our inner fabric that people kind of always describe it as a very luxurious feel, almost like silk. Um, and you don't get that clammy, sticky feeling on your skin and um, the longevity of it. You know, you just got to be careful with your toenails. That's that's really all it comes down to on the inner because I, we've we've had some toenail disasters in the past. But, yeah, those are our two our two go to fabrics for sure. I think that's a good reminder to. Keep your toenails short, especially, you know, when you're hiking and biking and doing all these things. You don't want to lose a toenail or rip through, take, have your claws rip through your quilt. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the most common is is pulled stitching with toenails. Um, but we learned very, very, very early on 
to uh, utilize a much tighter stitch to minimize that from happening. Um, you know, depending on on whose products you're looking at, there are some that you can see, especially some of the big box stores are using a much longer, broader stitch length. And along with that comes a significantly higher potential for snags and pulling and giant loops. And, you know, it's, it's, so we, we have used a much shorter stitch length, which takes us longer to produce a product, but the longevity of it, especially because we do offer a lifetime warranty, um, we almost never get any pulled stitching, uh, on anything. I mean, somebody would really have to have some serious snaggle toes to make it happen. (laughs) Well, that's great to know. I, that's one of those things too, you know, people, don't recognize that by just looking at it or, you know, hearing about it from their friends. I don't think most people would know that, but you know, it's the time and the detail of these little, these little things that make that product so great and last so long. We have one question that has kind of become our ripstop standard that we've been asking everyone, but we'd like to know from you, what fabric you think is missing from the market? Hmm. I mean, I feel like you guys can answer that question way better than me. <laughs> ask Kyle. Go find Kyle and ask him. <laughs> Kyle! Uh, I, I, I hope he can hear us. <laughs> now, I will say, not not so much in, in regards to fabric specifically, um, but solid color options, um, which I know there has there is hopefully some new solid colors coming out Um but I, one of the things that we get the, the most requested is more blue colors and more green options. Um, you know, because I know there's been kind of like a standard set three of each of those in terms of, you know, color options. And of course you can do print, but obviously print is more expensive. Um, so having, you know, baseline standard color options, uh, kind of expanding that palette, uh, I think would go a long ways. And then you guys just keeping M10 hot pink in stock more frequently. <laughs> Love the hot Go pink. tell Lance about that. <laughs> I am going to give a shameless plug <clears throat> for Omnicolor, everybody. If you do want to print, you can get pretty much any color on the RGB color map, which is like 1300 and something. So if you want a specific color, go check it out. But yeah, we don't you know, have it in stock. I have a follow-up question to that as well. Do you think that there's anything missing on the insulation market? Yes, Definitely. Um, specifically a loose fill blowable synthetic. Um, so we used a, we had a synthetic line for about two years and we were using a loose fill synthetic. So typically what you see is like climate shield, um, you know, the, just like the standard sheet synthetic, the end, the end result of that results in, you know, very low packability, uh, aesthetic wise, not a fan. Um, you know, so having, uh, a, a viable loose fill synthetic. So our experience was the loose fill synthetic over time. Um, just like your, your pillow at home, you would get these clumps that you could not separate. And as a result, now you've got bald spots all throughout the quilt. Um, and so that we have not found a suitable loose fill synthetic yet. Um, and I think there, the market for that would absolutely be massive because there are a ton of people that want synthetic, especially in, um, you know, wetter climates and environments who are nervous about using down products, you know, where it makes sense, but they also don't want to have, you know, a, a zero degree synthetic quilt that's using sheet synthetic because that thing will take up their entire backpack. 
you know, so, so there's definitely a market for it, uh, specifically because of the packability of it. But we've, like I said, we've not found that right source yet. Do you see UGQ working with like Alpha Direct in the future? Because I think, I mean, it's not really the perfect in between, but it is one of those new kind of insulation materials that is far more compressible than like the Climate Shield sheets and stuff at a decent insulation rating. What do you think about the, the Alpha line? Um, that's a good question because I know nothing about it. So you'll have to educate me. <laughs> We have some, so ask Lance if we can get you some samples. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that's the thing is that, so anytime we're looking at new insulation or new um, features, products, whatever, I I personally like to, um, especially with insulation, you, you kind of need a lot of time really to see how those materials are going to break down over time. Um, you know, we have a, a really good understanding of down and specifically the down that we use and we understand the longevity of it, how to care for it, um, you know, and so looking at those things, um, you know, ultimately takes a lot of time just because, you know, like I said, with our, with our loose fill synthetic that we originally brought on, um, when we first, you know, the first two months of using it, it was great. And so we kind of jumped all into it and then year one and year two of using it, we realized like, this is not a viable option because it has completely deteriorated. The insulation is no longer, uh, working properly. It's all clumped up and, and it's next to impossible to move around. So, um, you know, I don't know if that data already exists on your guys' end in terms of understanding its its long term usage, um, but I'd, I'd definitely be interested for sure. Yeah, and, and to be clear, it's not a it's not a down or synthetic insulation replacement necessarily. It would be more of an an addition to, I guess. Um, like a lot of people. Yeah, we'll have Lance go over it. But for anyone listening, yeah, don't don't think about down as being or don't think about Alpha Direct as being a down replacement. I could see I could see like an Alpha Direct sleeping bag for the summer months, something like that. Like it would be really compressible. Um, I'm not sure the what the weight difference would be like, but it wouldn't it wouldn't replace it. It would just be something else you could use to kind of uh, bolster insulation in certain places. I think. Um, gotcha. I don't know. To, to be uh, to be determined, I guess. There's not there's not yeah. a lot of sleep system stuff with Alpha Direct right now. I know Avery's considered like a bag liner thing. Um, I've th- thought about that as well, just to kind of increase the warmth of whatever bag I have to take out into a situation. Um, That's yeah, where you just use a Quillo as like. a liner, and then you're good. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's my shameless plug. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, so. One of the things we wanted to talk to you about, other than everything that we've just covered for the last uh, 35 odd minutes, was talking about caring for down products and things like that. Um, as an expert in down products yourself, figured you're the per- perfect person to ask. So would you have principles of down care for us? You know, a couple of things that you know to be tried and true methods of, of caring for down products? Uh, definitely. Um, we, we've seen a lot of disasters over the years uh, in, in down care, for sure. Um, so our, our go-to method for, um, well, let's, let's starting with the basics, you know, if, if you're somebody who's only using that down product, you know, five times a year, the reality is, is you'll probably not need to wash it for 10 to 15 years because really, you know, washing, it's only going to come into play when you're really saturating it with a lot of oils and, um, that starts to, to, uh, saturate the down and then it's going to have that long-term effect on loft and et cetera. Um, the average person, I mean, I've got quilts that are 12 years old that I've never washed and they're still lofted is the same as the day I bought them, but I only use those quilts, you know, in 10 years, you know, maybe 15 times. And so a lot of it comes down to 
you know, how saturated it is. So in the situation where you, you are due for a washing, which, you know, we have all of the listed on our website, you know, how, how frequently you should wash, wash it based on your usage. Um, we always recommend hand washing first and foremost, um, just because there's too many, too many, uh, too many different washer types out there. And so in our experience, ones that have the big agitator in the middle, um, typically destroy ultralight fabrics, which then, you know, there goes your insulation. Um, and then we also recommend if you have the option just to air dry it, which is the longest method of drying it. But if you are going to put it in a dryer, um, we recommend putting it in, you know, a protective like cotton storage sack, um, something of that nature, throw some tennis balls in there. And that will really help reintroduce the air back into the down um, and, and help it restore its loft and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we've had people who thought it was okay to put their quilt in the dryer. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen on our Instagram, there was one that we had posted not that long ago uh, of somebody that put their quilt in a dryer and uh, they put it on, I think medium heat or something like that with no protective sack. And it, it completely melted the fabric to oblivion. Um, along with that, you know, the quilt's destroyed. So the down care is really irrelevant. Most of it comes down to down, no pun intended. Most of it comes down to, uh, fabric care more than anything because most of the the disaster that we're seeing is in the fabric breaking down whether it's in a washer or dryer um but the down itself i mean you have to really be i mean i know people that have put 2500 miles on a quilt and still haven't washed it um you know and slept in it every night haven't showered for 30 days at a time so you know it's, it's one of those things where I would limit the amount that you wash it and wash it only if you absolutely need to. If you're starting to see that that loft is is diminishing, um, you know, maybe your bag's feeling a little bit heavier just because of the amount of oil that's. But again, most of that's in the fabric. It's it's the down care really is second to the fabric care, especially in quilts, you know, because that's that's where most of the oil is getting trapped. And, you know, even if even if the oil is trapped, you can essentially just throw it in a dryer in a protective bag on medium heat with some tennis balls and it'll drive most of the moisture out of the down and it'll be back to good. Uh, you know, so it's I typically recommend to wash it as little as possible. That makes a lot of sense. Down clusters, when I think about it more, are incredibly resilient. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. they're, they're from nature. They're, they're meant to go through quite a bit. So it is a lot more about. Um, the fabrics. Uh, what sort of suggestions or tips would you have for natural versus synthetic insulation? Do's or don'ts for either one or the other? Um, so I, I am a down insulation guy through and through. I, I know that there's a lot of um, people concerned about down getting saturated. Um, listen, at the end of the day, if you fall in a river with your synthetic quilt or your down quilt, you're screwed. It's, it's, it's one of those things where it's, I understand the principle behind the synthetic in that it's maintaining its loft when it's saturated, but the fabric is still saturated. So you're still wrapping yourself in a freezing cold fabric while the insulation is still covering you. I, personally, I've encountered next to no one who's ever, you know, said that, hey, my down quilt didn't solve my problem. I was in this moist environment and you know, this happened or that happened. I mean, I've had people who have fallen in rivers, but their quilt was in a dry bag. And immediately when they got out of that river, having that big, warm, downy goodness wrapped around you, warmed them up significantly faster than I, I anticipate something of synthetic nature would. 
you know, and, and down is naturally hydrophobic. So we used to use a hydrophobic treated down. Um, and what we found was that over time, that down actually started to, to deteriorate and would actually start to clump up. And, and in fact, most cottage vendors have strayed away from using hydrophobic down in recent years because of that exact same reason. And it was one of those things that we didn't know until we used it long enough and had enough customers saying, hey, my down is starting to clump. And since we switched, you know, seven, eight years ago to a non-treated down, we've had nothing but success with using that. Um, you know, I don't know if you've seen demonstrations of somebody taking a, a cluster of down and pushing it into water, um, but it takes a lot for that to get saturated just naturally. And so I'm, I'm always going to be a, a, a down user, um, even when, you know, there is a, a viable synthetic option just because of its packability and its functionality and reality. So going back to the principles of down care, you mentioned hand washing, air drying, or, you know, drying in a dryer with a protective covering on no to low heat. Um, would you say that that is the same across the board for other products that include down or insulation, like down hats or jackets? Yeah, I, I would say so, because at the end of the day, when you really think about it, what you're protecting is the fabric. That's that's the first thing to fail in a washing and drying application. It's not the down. The down can almost always be restored. Um, if you give it enough time to dry out, it can virtually always be restored. The fabric is where, where you're going to run into the issue. So a lot of people get hung up on down care, but it's really not so much the down care. While yes, there are down products, you know, for removing oils and, and kind of restoring you know, all of the, the original state of the down, that's not, that's not usually what breaks down first. Like I said, it's the fabric. And so um, understanding how ultralight fabrics work and that you can't just throw them into a washer with an agitator. You can't throw them into a dryer with heat because of the nature of the material itself does not do well in those applications. So it's it really, you know, it's not so much down care as it is fabric care when you're dealing with ultralight products. And it's the same with hats and jackets and, and whatever it is. The down most of the time is completely fine. It's the fabric that you're going to lose if you don't wash or dry it properly. Uh, what solution are you using? Just gear a down wash? Is there a more specific one? Anything like that? Yeah, we've used it a couple over the years and there's a lot of great products. The one that we currently are using and recommend is, is the gear aid uh, down wash. It's been, uh, it's been, it's been from what we've heard, I've actually not even used it. Cause I, like I said, I don't ever wash my quilts. Um, we used to actually do it as a service for people. Um, but again, I typically tell people, unless you're having loss of loft or you're, you're just like sick of the smell of your fabric, which most of the time there are, are deodorizers that you can just spray it with and solve that problem without having to go through the whole process of washing because something that's filled with that much down, um, once you actually saturate it, I mean, it takes a long time to dry it. And, and now you're dealing with, you know, wear and tear on the fabric and it's just a whole long process. So like I said, I try to stay away from it as much as possible because you're going to get a lot longer lifespan unless you're through hiking and you plan on using this, you know, for 2,500 miles, you know, a year. I, I just don't see the need for it. Um, but like I said, if you are going to wash it, hand drying it or hand washing it with an appropriate down wash. Um, you know, I, we've used a couple other methods in the past just to test it, like, you know, Dawn dish soap and, and things like that. The problem with it is, is that it gets so unbelievably sudsy 
that the process for removing all of the soap yeah is ridiculous so having a proper rated a proper downwash they they focus specifically on making it very easily rinsed and very easy to remove once you actually perform the washing um and that plays a, a big role in it because i've had times where bathtubs were completely full of suds and it was like this is never gonna end there's you ever like been washing your hair and the studs just keep coming and coming and coming? And that's what it's like when you wash it with the wrong type of soap. <laughs> so those products exist for a reason. So we're going to wrap up the podcast here in a minute with a little this or that game. But first, I do want to make sure that we get all your links out there and where people can find you, uh, including that the fact that UGQ just started a podcast. So can you go over uh, your website, uh, what the podcast is called, where people can find, me, find you, where they can find the Quillo, anything like that? If they don't know by now, just forget them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so obviously, the website is uh, just ugqoutdoor.com. Um, we are also just recently on TikTok. So I think we're up to, uh, to 100 followers now. Look at us go. Uh, obviously, Instagram, Facebook. Um, the, uh, the Quillo, if you go to the homepage, there's a whole what's new feature directly on the homepage that showcases the Quillo and links to the page. and the promo video that we shot and all that good stuff. Um, right now we have not uploaded the, the podcast to any actual podcasting platforms that will be happening next week when I get back from this next trip I'm going on. Um, but right now you can find them on YouTube and we're also posting our latest uh, YouTube version of the podcast uh, directly on the homepage of the website. Um, so those are available on our YouTube channel. So go there and subscribe because we only have, you know, like 1200 followers. <laughs> Awesome. But in yeah, all fairness, we weren't, we, weren't we weren't producing any content on our YouTube channel up until like literally a couple months ago. So, yeah, no, I just listened to the episode with you and Adam from Hammock Year at at, at mm. Hancon recently. Um, yeah, I haven't gone back to episode one yet, but I'm excited to see what else you guys do. It's a it's a fun space to be in. It's it's an honor to be able to talk to people the way that we do. So I'm glad that you guys are jumping into it. Yeah, we're we're definitely having a lot of fun. So so just real quick, my uh, my biggest plan with the podcast is to uh, do our weekly segment, which I plan to do with my wife. Um, but we're also going to be having at least one uh, YouTuber in a month to actually come be in studio. Um, that we're going to do uh, a Thursday night podcast or film the podcast Thursday night, and then go do a trip um, for the whole weekend, so that they're going to get basically a podcast and a trip video out of each of the YouTubers that we bring in each month. That will also be content going on our channel as well that's awesome i love the uh kind of experimental type videos you guys are going to be in the field together i know that you and adam talked about that a ton the trip that you're going to take so i'm i'm excited to see that uh there's i mean there's a million youtubers out there there's all sorts of content you can find it for anything and also i don't think that there is a ton of content in the cottage space because typically there are people running small businesses with a small amount of hands and a small output right um so it makes a lot of sense. All that to say, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I have no uh, no method to the madness at all. It's just and literally every <laughs> podcast that we shoot is completely off the cusp. There's no uh, beautiful spreadsheet like this. It's uh, what, what, whatever whatever comes up is what comes up, and I I, I do better in those environments. It seems like <laughs> fair enough. All right, Chad, let's wrap this thing up. We're going to play this or that type of game where I'm going to give you more or less two options to uh, a question that's going to pose two different options for the most part. And you're just going to give it your best go. You can answer why you choose that or not. It's totally up to you. You ready to go for it? Let's do it. 
All right. Would you rather bring a summer quilt in the winter or a winter quilt in the summer? Oh, winter quilt in the summer for sure. <laughs> That's an easy one. Uh, crypt, cryptic camo or woodland camo? Oh, cryptic for sure. Do you have a particular pattern? Um, I honestly, I know it sounds crazy, but one of my favorite ones is the Loki. We've, we've been getting a lot of requests for that. And actually we, nice. we've got quite a few orders and recently for the Loki pattern, just because it's so eye catching. And that's true to our brand is like something that really stands out. So, so funny story about the Loki when we talked, so back way back episode, like 30, I'm going to guess. I don't know. We talked to, to Butch Whiting from Cryptek, Isaac and I did. And uh, we were talking about the patterns and stuff. And he was laugh, laughing about the different applications that he's seen Cryptek, how, you know, it started out to be like a tactical brand. And now people are using it in high fashion and on cars and tattoos and like all these places. And at one point he's like, you know what? We have mm-hmm. this pattern called Loki. He's like, I think think you guys would really like it. He kind of gave, like, gave us his eye. And to that day, Isaac and I always look at each other. We're like, I bet those guys would really like Loki. <laughs> I don't still mm-hmm. don't know what that means. I'm like, what what kind of vibe are you giving off? Or he's like, you guys would love Loki. I'm like, whatever, it's a cool right. pattern. I'll take it. <laughs> yep. Uh, hey, anyway, I'm selling it, so it works for me. If people love it, I'll. So I, I guess I'll take it. Maybe that means we're normal. I don't know. Um, all right, <laughs> Mem Ten or Mem Seven. Mm, I'm gonna stick with Ten. Fair enough. Um, so I did a little bit of research and I think I know your answer already, but, uh, where'd you rather take a trip? North Manitou islands or the porcupine mountains? Hmm. Uh, probably North Manitou islands still just because you get dropped off and you can't leave the island for three days. That's pretty cool. I had no idea either of those places existed before doing some research. So new places on my bucket list. (laughs) There you go. Uh, would you rather bring MREs for food or craft yarn for guidelines? Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say the yarn just because I can fashion my own guideline out of some sticks and stripping them down and braiding them together. <laughs> <laughs> Turns into a bushcraft trip real quick. <laughs> exactly. I'd rather have the good food. <clears throat> Fair enough. Yeah, Murray's are not it. Um, no. What is your last store stop before heading into the woods for a trip? Hmm. Probably the gas station for lots of snacks and drinks. Is there a gas station in Michigan, like the like you know the Wawa to Pennsylvania or Seven Eleven other places? Like, do you have your gas station? No. No, I, I, I wish we did, but no, we, I mean, I guess we have like Speedway, but I think those are kind of like everywhere. Maybe, they're, yeah. maybe they're just Michigan. Yeah, basically my speed. That's basically my gas station too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I go to whatever one's closest to where I'm going and I, I, I'm not an ultra lighter, so I'm, I'm packing way too much snacks and food and <laughs> beef sticks and salmon and whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's my fault too. I always end up like the last gas station stop. I'm like, well, I'm probably going to need this little pack of Oreos and uh, probably going to need seven beef sticks. I don't never need them, but it feels like that at the time. See, that's more conservative than what I go. (laughs) (laughs) What what else do you get? Oh man, I whatever room whatever room I have left in my pack gets filled. <laughs> it's so, going to be food, yeah. I don't care what it is cuz I I typically I've had three hip reconstructions so I'm not hiking super okay. long miles wherever I go. 
Um, yeah. So it's like, I, I might as well have fun while I'm out there and eat really good and sleep really good. And so I yep. just, I, I quit caring about that a long time ago. I'm, I'm in it for the fun now. So, yeah, it's about the experience. Well, Chad, it's been super fun. Thank you for joining us and sharing an hour of your valuable uh, business time with us. Um, it's been fun. Thanks for all the tips and, and the fun here. Yeah, same. I uh, definitely appreciate you guys having me on. Of course. Well, uh, hopefully we see you soon. Feel free to reach out. We know you talk to Lance uh, whenever. So let us know if you ever need anything. And uh, maybe we'll add UGQ to the, the rip stop field trip. There you go. It's a good idea. <laughs> it's a growing list. We'll go up to, we'll go right, up to well, North Manitou Island after you stop here. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Have a great day, Chad. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Thanks, man.